0: Hey there, ass kickers. I wanted to jump in real quick before we officially start the show. And you know this is not an ad. I hope that you will stick with me here for just a couple of minutes. And I just wanted to mention something. You know, it's no surprise that things have been hard with COVID over the last few months. And it's no surprise, I think, to any of you that we have a huge problem with racism in this country. And it hasn't just been a few months I'm thinking about the black and brown women who listen to this show and who read my books, and it's absolutely not enough for me to just think of you. And I used to talk about this a little bit more. But it's been a while. It's been a couple of years. I think you know, after the election and when things got really heated, I dove into my own work and was very fired up about it in the beginning, then took some steps back from talking about it as I realized it is not time for me to talk about it from a place of education, but yet a time for me to do my own anti-racism work and really think about what my values over here are from someone who runs a company, the values of your kick-ass life, as well as what are my values on a very personal level, which they are pretty much the same. And I'll be honest with you. I've gotten complacent and did a lot of work and then let my foot off the gas. And that's not acceptable. That's not how unlearning works, That's not how relearning something else works. I tell you guys all the time about how important it is to be vigilant and pay attention to your own inner critic, to your own shame triggers, to where you need to set boundaries. All of these things that are so important for you to live your own best, most kick-ass life, right? And I haven't been doing the same in terms of my own anti-racism work. I've been dabbling here and there, but- it is not enough. And I'm I'm not saying that from a place of self-deprecation or to beat myself up. I'm saying that from a place of transparency and also kind of letting you know what's coming. And what's coming is an email that I'm going to send out. I'm going to sit down and carefully and thoughtfully craft what our stance is over here as well as what my commitments are to you as a community, to you as a listener of this show, to you as someone who reads my books and consumes my work. You know, I was on a workshop with Trudy LeBron, who teaches anti-racism, and she said, you know, as much time and effort as we all put into building our businesses, shouldn't we spend as much time doing anti-racism work? And it made me think of personal development, as much time and effort and energy and money that we all put into doing our own personal development work, in my opinion, it is also about damn time that we also put in just as much energy, thought, effort, consideration, time, money into doing anti-racism work. It's not just about me. It's not just about you. It's about humanity. And a long time ago, what struck me, and I said this in an Instagram post eons ago, I might have said it in an interview or something. When we're talking about women's personal development, we're talking about feminism. And when we're talking about feminism, we're talking about patriarchy. And When we're talking about patriarchy, we're talking about white supremacy. It's all related. We can't pretend that it's not. I can't pretend that it's not. So – This is just uh, an effort to let you know that that email is coming. If you don't get my emails, you can go to yourkickasslife.com slash free and sign up that way, or I will mention where to find that link on a future podcast episode, and you can grab it from my website when it is available. And I truly, truly appreciate your time, and let's get back to the show. This is Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 340 with guest Andrea Renee Johnson.
1: This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast
0: with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Hey there, ask Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am so glad that you are here. So last week, you may have noticed that I was silent and you might have been thinking, where'd you go? I was muted last week. You may have seen on social media that there was a call for people, especially white people, to mute their social media feeds. And if they were going to post anything or say anything, it was to uplift the voices of the black community. And this week, I had a different episode that was all ready to go for you, but I have decided to replay an archived episode that aired in March of 2017. And I think this is so important. It was important then, and it is just as applicable right now. So our guest is Andrea Renee Johnson. And also, before I forget the blurb that you just heard in the beginning of this episode, me talking about that something's coming, it's already out. <laughs> and I sent an email out to my community a couple of days ago, and I would love for you to go read it. If you are not on my um, my subscriber list, you probably didn't see it. So you can head on over to the show notes and click the link to go ahead and read That email that I sent out to my community. It's also on my website. It's really just me telling you where I've been, where I'm at right now, and sort of what's next. You know, the reason I had Andrea on in 2017 and the reason that I've plucked this archived episode out to replay is because back then she was one of the first black leaders that I truly listened to her message about the connection between personal development, especially the connection between white spiritual women leaders and social justice issues. And I also wanted to point out a couple of things that that weren't around when we recorded this episode a few years ago. And so she now has her own podcast called a call to serve and she helps kind of two different groups of people. She helps, Business people, entrepreneurs, people like me. So she has a course called Rise Up, Visionary Business for These Times. And she also has a self-paced course called Whole Self-Liberation. And from what I what I can gather just from not being on her website, that is people for people who don't have a business focus where it really is just for their whole self. So I encourage you to go check that out. She's at AndreaRenee.com. That's Andrea R-A-N-A-E.com. And of course, that link is in the show notes. So let me tell you a little bit more about her. Andrea Renee is a coach, writer, and facilitator who seeks to offer and uplift practical tools, resources, and wisdom in support of each of us recognizing, owning, and sharing our power so that we can amplify the impact we have in our communities. She is deeply committed to doing her part in cultivating a world that works for everyone and does so by exploring the intersections of our individual and collective healing, growth, and liberation through her work. Andrea believes that together we rise and she hopes to create spaces which allow for that to happen. So without further ado, here is Andrea Renee. Hi, Andrea. Thanks for being here. Hey, I'm so excited. I have been admiring your work from afar for a long time. And I know we run kind of in the same circles in this industry. And I did mention in the introduction that this is kind of a conversation for, you know, like coaches, healers, do-gooders of the world, but absolutely not exclusive for those people. I think anyone who is a human will (laughs) get nuggets out of this conversation and what you have to say. So I'm very excited to get started. And where I would love to start is in June of 2016, you wrote a blog post titled Why the Self-Help Industry Isn't Changing the World. And I invite all of you to go back to the show notes there is a link to it. It's an awesome, amazing piece of writing. And that post was shared widely and struck a nerve with many. So I know that this is a loaded question, the kind of questions I like to ask. Can you kind of break down that post for us? Maybe like what was the main message? What was the thing that you said maybe that struck a nerve with the most? Anything at all?
1: I think one of the main things was that. For me, I had so much like anger, mm-hmm. <laughs> so much upset that coaches and healers and people that were saying like, I want to change the world. I want to make a difference. This work that we're doing, the healing work that we're doing is is super important. It's changing lives. They weren't speaking up when there was a ton of like political turmoil going on. Mm-hmm. And and so I think my primary <laughs> purpose was just to like call that out and say, your work doesn't, it's completely tied up in all of these political issues, like your work to support human potential and to help people see their power and help people heal so that they can find more love. And, you know, it's all tied to oppression. It's tied to injustice. It's, and we can't take those two things apart. And so by not talking about it, by not addressing it, especially with your community, the people that you're influencing, you're working against yourself because silence just keeps it going.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and I think that, and you know, this was something that personally, and I'm always really transparent about, you know, <laughs> where I am and and what I think about things, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend that you know, I wasn't that person for a long time who was like, yes, let's change the world. But and there's like other things going on, but let's just change the world over here where we are. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that was really common of what was going on. You know, and I, what I'm speaking about is like probably like 2015 and and before where it wasn't as noisy. And I I think Mm -hmm. that kind of, we saw this upsurging of issues that were, I think that social media made it in our face, like we could not Mm. escape from this anymore. We could not escape and, and turn our heads from these really important issues that were happening. And so I personally was one of those people that was kind of in this bubble of all of you people that look just like me out there. Let's talk about and focus on the things that are in our lives that affect us. But what I love about What you were saying was that and for anyone, too, that listens to the podcast regularly, I believe it was episode 140, where I talked about the title of the post was the party as we know it is over and where I quoted Andrea and and really talking about the bottom line of it that we cannot not talk about this anymore. And more specifically, people in the self-help world. And I think people that are interested in personal development. And if you're not a coach or a healer, you know, quote unquote, wellness person, I think it's up to us. Like we chose personal development. We chose to believe in changing the world. Therefore, we also need to look at this other major issue that's going on as well.
1: Mm. Yeah. And that was a huge part of it is... Like it doesn't stop at the individual. The work of changing the world, like you changing yourself well, for sure, it will shift some things in your community and and everything. But what really needs to change is ourselves and the systems that we are always interacting with and affecting and getting influenced by. and we can't we, we can't separate ourselves from that.. Mm-hmm.
0: I was just having a conversation earlier this week with somebody who was interviewing me for her podcast, and we were talking about the law of attraction. And she said, what bugs you about the law of attraction? Because she knows that I used to teach it in the beginning of my career. It was something that I was highly, highly interested in. I felt, you know, I watched the movie, The Secret and implemented some of the tools and actually did see my life change for the better. And For anyone that is totally unfamiliar with the law of attraction, it basically talks about your energetic vibration and that whatever you want in your life, you can attract by focusing on it by wanting it bad enough by really putting all of your attention on it and not focusing on negativity, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And that also that you are totally in charge of your destiny and your happiness and fulfillment, yeah. et cetera. So I was on board. You know, I was like, <laughs> all right. And again, I did see some positive impact from putting those tools into use. So now in 2017, what I have come to realize is that the lessons of the law of attraction are laden with privilege. Yes. Like oh my god, like yeah, yeah. that's great for you if you are not systematically oppressed. Like mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on that?
1: Totally. (laughs) You're like, period. Yeah. I have a friend, Alexis Morgan, who is totally able to like really dig deep into like all of the intricacies of the law of attraction and how messed up it is. But, (laughs) But there's power in it. But I think one thing for me one big message in it is like you create your own reality Mm -hmm. and it's like yeah but (laughs) there's a little bit more like we are co-creating our realities and if there are some things in our world (laughs) that are unjust that are oppressive that are like deep-seated rooted issues in like the very foundation of how we are how we experience life in this moment then i'm going to have some limits i'm going to i'm i'm not going to be able to just manifest what i want to manifest on a whim even if i work the hardest even if i do all the work to make it happen like sometimes it doesn't work because there are other forces at play
0: absolutely and and i i think about and i asked this question early on to my own mentors about you know, what about people who are children of abuse? Like, what about all the Syrian refugees? You know, did they not have a high enough vibration? Did right. they? And then there's the argument like, well, maybe something happened in a former life and, and things like that. And what that reminded me of is, Oh gosh, I'm probably gonna get the hate mail for saying this. <laughs> when I was younger, and I grew up in, uh, we were Lutheran, and which, from my understanding, is like Catholic light, because both of my parents grew up Catholic. And I asked my mom, this was back in the 80s when, Suzanne Struthers, or was that her, the woman who was, it was, you're probably too young for this, Andrea, but it was, it was all these commercials <laughs> that were about helping starving children in Ethiopia. And they uh-huh. were heart wrenching. And I remember asking my mom, what kind of God allows, because I thought I grew up, you know, with Jesus loves me. So what kind of God and Jesus allows that to happen? Why is there so much pain and suffering is what I was asking her. And she explained to me, that because adam and eve sinned that basically we are being punished for it and there are these atrocities in the world because we as humans are sinners and i took that to mean i took that home and was just like oh my god i'm a terrible person you know like i am the cause of that child starving in ethiopia so i mean that's for another conversation but that's kind of what it reminded me of it's like well life is hard so some people just have to suffer and and i'm just like what Like, it just kind of blows my mind that it could be someone's fault.
1: (laughs) Well, that's what came out that reminds me of when the huge earthquake in Haiti happened. Mm -hmm. I think on the, what's it called? The 400 club or something. There was a show (laughs) that talked about how like they deserved it. How they, (gasps) like, because they practiced voodoo or, you know, whatever quote unquote like dark magic, Mm -hmm. dark spirituality that they, called that in for themselves and and that sounds absurd like whoever's listening like you might be like that's crazy but it's it's not it is crazy one Mm -hmm. but it's said all the time in various ways you know like mike brown getting killed in the middle of the street being left there for four hours or so for the entire neighborhood to see oh he deserved it he was being a criminal he was like whatever, like it's everywhere. It's pervasive, like wanting to not take social or personal responsibility for how you might have played a little tiny role or a big role Mm -hmm. in someone's suffering.
0: Yes. And it kind of, kind of switching gears a little bit. I think one of the things that I loved from your post that really hit home for me and also made me think about how I can, quote-unquote, change the world, and we'll get into that a little bit, is that you say... The problem. So let me, let me start kind of from, and this is what I quoted in, in that episode in 140, where you say to the coaches, healers, guides, leaders, and overall do gooders of the world who don't want to bring quote unquote politics into your work, consider this. Your work could bring massive, sustainable change to many lives, families, and communities, but it won't if you don't critically look at the social context that you're working within. The problems you help solve for your clients are most often symptoms of a much deeper and widespread systemic problem that we must get to the root of. You say you want to change the world, but what is it in the world that you want to change? You've got to name it to tame it. And so I sat with that for a long time and thought like, what does that actually look like for my audience? What does that actually Mm -hmm. look like for my world? And what's also interesting is I had another podcast guest a couple of weeks ago, Joe Casey, where we were having the conversation of, and she actually helps coaches, you know, life coaches with their businesses. And she shifted gears and now still helps coaches. But what she helps them with is visibility. So anyone listening who knows like, and and even if you have a a nine to five corporate job, like as a woman, you have to put yourself out there. Like you have to be Mm -hmm. vulnerable to get promoted, to Do a really great job because a lot of times, well, all of the time, any kind of innovation or creativity in your job or otherwise takes vulnerability. And so what Joe Casey is doing is talking about what she calls feminine conditioning and how we as women have grown up in a culture that, I mean, we could talk about this all day, (laughs) that is systematically keeping us down. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, where my focus, because if I because I was telling you before we started recording, you guys, like I got so fired up about this a couple of months ago. I was like ready to burn the whole house down. I was like, your kick ass life is totally changing. And this is where we're going. And there's so many social issues Mm -hmm. (laughs) that we need to help or that we can help, I should say. But I think for me and what I can help my audience the most with is that whole concept of women and this feminine conditioning that we are brought up in. And mm-hmm. that's why I, I love that you posed that question. Like you've got to name it to tame it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I've been thinking about a lot how how powerful it is to dig into your identity. And we focus a lot on women but we don't focus a lot on how we are conditioned and like really like unveiling Mm -hmm. yeah unpacking and the ways in which how we are has been impacted by dehumanizing messages about women, dehumanizing messages about our race, or, well, no, I guess because dehumanizing by dehumanizing, I mean, either making one inferior or making one superior. And in both of those positions, you're not able to just be a human being. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And privilege and oppression and marginalization, like being able to unpack a lot of that by looking at your identity and so much power, so much power and so much healing and agency found in that exploration.
0: I think what was helpful for me, and I'm trying to think of, you know, the people who are listening to this and, and like, where can they start? Because I think about when I first started on this journey and started like waking up to it, it's little things like, let's just talk about like movies and TV, like media for a second. And I just finished Shonda Rhyme's book, the year of yes. And Mm -hmm. I love her shows. And I I think I never really noticed, and maybe it's a good thing that I didn't notice it, but that she has so much diversity in her casting. And Mm -hmm. that's actually how the world is. You know, if you Mm -hmm. look at most mainstream TV shows and movies, it's a mostly white cast and the people that are people of color, they are sidekicks or they're, you know, they're very stereotypes galore. And I think when I started watching her shows, it just never occurred to me that like she was creating these, these strong real characters, like just as there actually are in the world. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. it's things like that. Like think about, you know, for anyone listening, like think about your world and and what you consume on a daily basis. Like that's conditioning that, that is happening every single day in our lives. And I'm so happy to see, you know, people like Shonda changing it Mm -hmm. and being successful at it and just normalizing, what should be normal.
1: Yeah. I love Shonda Rhimes. I love all of her shows. <laughs> Everyone should
0: read that book. Actually, I listened, someone told me like, make sure you listen to it on audiobook because it's better. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll link to it in the show notes. Yes.
1: Yeah. And I was actually, I was just I was watching the catch and I noticed that I've noticed that before, but I was watching it and I was like, wow, there's a black woman that's head of a PR form. There's a black woman. That's like, she's one of the top agents in the FBI. There's, and like, it's, And then there's like a ton of other diversity. And it's really cool to see how she's using her platform to make shifts and like what we see on a daily, weekly basis.
0: Absolutely. And I think that can be the beginning of someone's journey. And Mm -hmm. I was telling I had Kelly deals on and I was telling her, (laughs) yes, she's, she's great too. And I was telling her about we were talking about race and I was telling her my experience. And I think it's worth repeating because on one hand, it's horrifying for me to tell the story. But I do think it's important because I think that my story is a common one and that I grew up in a house. In the suburbs where we did not talk about race. And it was a predominantly white neighborhood. And so how I was exposed to it was TV. And mm-hmm. since I grew up in the late 70s and 80s, the shows that had people of color were What's Happening, were... Are you familiar with that show at all? Which show? The show What's Happening. Oh, no. <laughs> From the 70s. What was the name of the other one? There was another one, too. And also the Jeffersons. Those were kind of the first ones. And then I also watched Dukes of Hazard mm. and Archie Bunker. What was the, what was the name of that show where he was totally a racist? And that's what was normal to me. Mm. And I told Kelly this because this is the God's honest truth. And it's embarrassing, but it's the truth. So I grew up. So the message to me was that for those particular shows that I just mentioned, were that black people, they lived in totally different neighborhoods than I did, like the inner city, which I had never even visited. And they had it harder than we did. And also, when the Cosby show came out, I, you know, I'd only watched like Family Ties and Growing Pains, and like all these like all white casts. So when the Cosby show came out, it was interesting to me. But I was like, to me, that was like, now that's really make-believe like that, like a doctor for a dad. And and the, like, it was so like, I'm like, I honest to goodness, Andrea did not think that that could be. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm so embarrassed to say that, but I, I just think it's important because I think there's a lot of people that grew up, not everyone, but I think mean, there's a lot of people that just did not have the exposure, did not mm-hmm. have the conversation going on. And that creates, that creates racism, that creates Mm -hmm. ignorance, that creates, you know, I can have all the college in the world, but I I can still have these ideas that are subconscious or conscious that are adding to white supremacy Mm -hmm. and really oppression of a huge amount of people, people that are important. And so I'll stop talking because I'll just go (laughs) on and on and just humiliate myself.
1: (laughs) But no, it's so, so important though, because like there are people that will have like a very similar like experience to you and listening might either like not want to look at that or be like, Oh my God, like that was me. But every single person that ever watched TV, that ever walked this earth, that ever went to, I don't know, the doctor's office or like living in this world, we all have a piece of that. It's all in us at least a little part of that because that's how we grew up that's how we were conditioned it's a part of our culture it's a part of how we relate to each other and so just naming that like like I said like the naming it to tame it like you have to name it and own it and it's it's not about like guilt it's not about shame it just is because you didn't really have any control over that when you were a child and But now you do. And it's like it's the same thing with when we're just talking about like a personal like limiting belief or I've heard you call it like gremlins or Mm -hmm. things like that. Like you didn't have any control about like when you first like took on some of those limiting beliefs. But now you do. Right. Because now, you know, (laughs) somebody had to tell me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a similar process of realizing, educating yourself and trying to do something different. And that's what I'm
0: trying to do, albeit awkwardly, but I think it's a conversation that needs to be had more. And and speaking of, you know, maybe someone who is sort of newer to this topic. So what would you say to someone who has never really been active or paid attention or just because they just don't know, not because they're pushing it away around politics and social justice issues, but wants to do something? A, my question is kind of a two part question, where Would you suggest that they start? And then because I know sometimes that the answer might be, well, you need to read something about it and then say something about it. But what about the people who because I've run into this? I don't know. I guess it might be a little bit of an excuse, but I think it's a it's a valid Mm -hmm. fear that people have is that they have family and friends who aren't ready for that conversation or full Mm -hmm. on like disagree with them. Where do those people go?
1: Mm. (sighs) Hmm. My first thought with that specific question is look for people that are also in the same questions, like in the same space. And I think there are a lot, especially now in in the US, there are so many people that are in a similar space of like, holy shit, the world is so fucked. Mm -hmm. And (laughs) what do I do? uh, Yeah, like, what do I do now? How do I help? And feeling like in fear and frozen and helpless. And so like putting a call out to like connect with people that are constantly in that question as well.
0: I also too now that you've been saying that, I thought of something as well, is that the internet is like the best tool for this. I live in the rural south and I came from a big city in Southern California. So when I came here and it was tricky, you know, navigating this. And I am someone who is outspoken. And I suddenly found myself like, oh, I am the minority in my beliefs here. Mm. So what I have done is I think, you know, womensmarch.com has been a great resource. and, Mm. And I went to a meeting that they had kind of like hosted. And then I we, I went to this woman's house and it was like everybody that walked in the door, like we were all strangers. Everyone that walked in the door was like, oh my God, you're here. You know, mm. like, we were joking that there's like nine Democrats in our town and they were all in this woman's living room. But, and then they pointed me to different Facebook groups where it's like the larger community where there are hundreds and thousands of people who are there who can help people. Um, You know, now I know where people come to have meetings for our senators, our state senators. And, you know, we rally together to Mm -hmm. ask him questions. And sometimes it's well received, sometimes it's not. And so all that to say is that, Use the Internet. Look for yeah. Facebook groups that you can be a part of, even if you know one person who has the same beliefs or is into the same who's passionate about the same social justice issue, because this doesn't necessarily just have to be about race. I mean, mm-hmm. it can be like about sex trafficking or the environment. Like there's so many different issues that are kind of on fire right now.
1: hmm. Yeah. And finding that community is so, so nourishing. And this is the kind of work that cannot be done alone. No, You will burn out. You will go back to hiding under a rock and not wanting to look at anything because it's too hard to hold by yourself. And you're not supposed to because mm-hmm. um, it's a collective issue. It's an issue that was created by more than one human being. Right, And so yeah, like seek that out, seek out community. And then there's also like, don't necessarily try to change the people around you that aren't ready for it. Mm -hmm. Cause that is energy. I mean, unless you want to spend that energy (laughs) on that, but it, it takes a lot of energy to do, to try to pull people out of whatever state they're in, especially if they're not open to it, they're not willing to do that. Go to the people that are wanting to have those conversations, wanting or even just open to learning, open to being in dialogue. That is where your power really can show up, can be used. Absolutely. I
0: totally agree. I think that there's been so much if we could bottle the energy that was given out over the last year or so of people arguing on the Internet, Mm -hmm. (laughs) who are on opposite sides of the spectrum. Oh, my gosh, we could probably, you know, electrify the earth. Mm -hmm. And I agree with you, I think. that, And I've made that mistake before where someone will argue with me and I'm like, do I want to back down No, there's a saying actually in recovery that says you can't save your ass and your face at the same time. And I think that kind of applies here. Like you Mm -hmm. you can't do both. Like Mm -hmm. you have to choose. And I, yes, speak to the people who are on your side and or the people who are just kind of have never picked a side who just don't have never been in that place that is on the top of their to-do list. Those
1: are the people too. Yeah. And I wanted to say, a little bit earlier that I think a good place to start is to just like sit with the idea that like your existence is inherently political. And that's really hard for people. Well
0: say more about that.
1: Politics, I talked about this in a, a talk that I gave a couple weeks ago. The root word of politics is polis, which means community. And so if you think about politics in this world right now, it's really about like how we relate to each other in community, how, what systems are in place to support community. (laughs) And if you are a human, you are in community, whether you want to be or not, (laughs) whether you're an introvert or an extrovert. And so our society, especially in the U.S., we're taught that politics is outside of us that politics is government and it's not like politics is because i am black because i am a woman because i am a young person and because i'm human mm-hmm. i am a political being <laughs> because the ways in which we relate to each other affect me and so it's difficult to own that. But I think I think it was Angela Davis that said the personal is political. I totally <laughs> agree with that. Yeah.
0: I think too that, and this is what I said at the end of my post of episode 140. And I said, you know, if you are a healer and you're, you know, life coach and you're going to send out a message to your people, or even if if you're not and you're going to talk to your family and friends about this, you don't even need to bring up the names of political people in government, because this isn't about them. Mm -hmm. This is about us. This is about people. And like you were saying, this is about community. And because I think that scares people, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, my family and friends all voted for Trump. And, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and it doesn't have to be about him at all. It's really about the things that are happening around us. And I think that that's what I'm hoping that the conversation is going to be. And yeah
1: don't you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's totally not. I hardly ever talk about Republicans and liberals and I don't even talk about Trump. I, it's <laughs> because it's not, I mean, it's totally important. It's totally making such a huge impact on so many communities. And at, like me talking about that is not going to help <laughs> anybody like at me talking about it. Cause I do not, I'm not interested in the intricacies. I'm interested in like the policy changes and everything, but I don't really want to like talk about it. I don't want to educate people on it. Like there are so many resources to educate people on the government and how it works and how it's fucked up. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, it's, it's all out there. What I really want to talk about is our culture and the relationships that we have with each other and with various social groups. That's what I'm interested in talking about. And that's really is also politics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, it
0: absolutely is. Yeah. I have a very important question for you and I because I was on your website and this jumped out at me and I would like to know how has Beyonce influenced you?
1: Beyonce <laughs> 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 Oh my God, that's a huge question. I could talk about her for days. <laughs> <You're> like, now <laughs> we're getting started. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I love Beyonce and I, I love her from a, like, a critical lens, you know, because there's like critiques about the beehive (laughs) and that like we, we just follow her every like move and whim and never really like look at her critically. Like I do look at her critically, but I grew up with her. I grew up with best news child. Uh I mean, I actually, until I was about 11 or 12 years old, I was only allowed to listen to Christian music. And when I was coming out of that (laughs) and my, my parents were starting to like loosen the reins a little bit on me, I, <laughs> Destiny's Child and other groups were some of the first people that I was listening to, and I've just loved. I've seen Beyonce live three times in the last oh, like record. five years. Already <laughs> <to> tickets? <laughs> yeah, she has influenced my life in ways that I, I probably don't even know because I think I resonate with her in a lot of ways in terms of. I am a recovering perfectionist oh, welcome. <laughs> I do appreciate excellence i I love the way that beyonce like seeks excellence in everything that she does, but especially now i love I love the direction that beyonce is going in terms of expressing herself so so much more and saying things speaking things singing things that are confronting a lot of people and affirming so many people as well and that she's like just living life for her she's just shining (laughs) and it's really inspiring for me to see someone like that Mm -hmm. that sounds how i have always felt about madonna and
0: cool. I mean, I don't know if it's, if it's the same, but I always, you know, cause she was, you know, as Destiny's Child was to you when you were, you know, growing up mm-hmm. in the nineties, I was growing up in a different decade and mm-hmm. Madonna was that person. And and like, I think about role models for my daughter and that's who women like Beyonce and women like Madonna, I want my daughter to look up to them because not for the way they dress or anything like that. Like I, not not that Mm -hmm. at all, but you know, age appropriate that matters and things like that. But just the whole reason that these women, yes, they're in entertainment, but more specifically, they have used their creativity to create something so much bigger than themselves and touch Mm -hmm. something in so many people as Mm -hmm. well as they have not only pushed the envelope, but said very important things by not actually saying them. Like, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just putting themselves out there as females. And I think the messaging that I heard, and I know that both Madonna and Beyonce are human beings who hurt just like everybody else and get their feelings hurt probably when they hear bad reviews. But the messaging that I got from that is I don't give a shit whether people like me or not. Mm-hmm. And if you're on board, great. This is what I have to say. And I have a platform to say it. And these are important things that I'm going to say. Do they do it perfectly every time? No, they don't. But I think that they have elicited an element of humanness as well as badassery that yeah. I can only hope to to do. And
1: same with my daughter. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Like with Beyonce, I I hope to create such a level of, I guess, like truth and excellence in terms of like being super, super clear about what you want and mm-hmm. not accepting anything else. That's something that I'm currently working on just like in my personal life and just <laughs> as a whole being clear about this is what I want. And I'm not going to, to waver on that is really exciting to see from her constantly yeah
0: well that's awesome well, let's end on the note of beyonce you know what's i always thought it was the bay hive. is it the beehive you know
1: i say it both ways okay, okay. <laughs> yeah yeah i have no idea
0: <laughs> well these are the big questions we ask over here on the podcast <laughs> thank you so much for being here. I have I loved this conversation. I'm so grateful for you and your work and this conversation that we just had. And again, everybody, the show notes are, uh, you know where they are, you know where to find them. You can find a link to Andrea's website and that post that I want everyone to read, as well as the other things that we mentioned in this podcast. And until next time, I will see you out in a cyberspace. Bye-bye.